Hey everybody, this is Never Heard of It Podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through the cracks, and I got another crack with me, Craig Moorhead. How are you? Sean, I was robbed. I was hmm. robbed. Of an Oscar? No. Oh. Maybe. Maybe in a weird, you know, cosmologically, cosmological? <laughs> sure. Cosmolo- Scatological. Scatological sense, maybe. But more uh, specifically, someone snuck into my car a couple mm. nights ago mm. and stole the adapter to my phone where I can plug my phone into my radio to listen to that. Um, and I think... People need to know, like, this is, this cannot stand. This sort of thing happening to me, this cannot stand. Did you get any scotch tape out and try to lift fingerprints? Uh, I did. I didn't really understand exactly how to do it because I've only seen it on TV. But yeah, I gave the kids a scotch tape. I said, guys, go nuts. They covered the okay. thing in scotch tape, peeled it off. We found nothing. A few bugs. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, nothing. Um, to try a giant uh, magnifying glass. Uh, I didn't really, we had like a plastic one that the kids had, which Mm. didn't, doesn't really do anything. It just kind of like makes everything look all warped. Yeah. And, uh, my wife pointed out several times that the adapter only costs like $8. Like it doesn't really matter. So, uh, but I, 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 I spent most of the weekend just going over that car with a fine tooth comb. You should, um, you should tell her, okay. Tonight, we're going to put eight dollars, eight ones in yeah. your car, and yeah. let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, that'll show her. Yeah. Mm. Craig? Mm? I need to ask you something now. Please. Was your door locked? Well, no, Sean, but that's beside <laughs> the point. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yes. You know, you shouldn't go into any, especially now, during a pandemic, I could have been sick. I could have been, like, coughing in there all day. Yeah. That person could have died. I didn't think about that. That is, yeah. 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 So, hmm. uh, anyway, it's very important what I'm going through, but what are you going through right now? Uh, I would, well, just some tea is what I was doing, but, oh, uh, that's nice. I, you know, I'm good. I really, I can't compete with that. I guess that's mm. a good thing. Yeah, probably. Um, so yeah, I'm loving October, man. I love it. Can't get enough yeah. of October. Yeah. It's, it's a good sh- month. It's a, it good a good month. month. Yeah. Just stretch it out. Make it longer. Oh, you know it. <laughs> Yeah, which I guess these podcasts kind of kind of do that in a they weird way. Do. Uh, no, um, other than that, Craig, I'm just I'm happy to be doing this. Happy to talk about movies as always, and and mm-hmm. watch crap that I wouldn't have unless you were forcing me to do it. Yeah. So that's that's what I lean on you for, and I, I know there's others out there listening and are in the same boats. Got some suggestions recently, and thank you to those that did. But uh, why don't you tell people where they can come make more suggestions? Sean, I'd be happy to. You know, uh, anyone who's listening to this, if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you want to recommend a movie or tell us something you, uh, some some feelings that were brought up by our most recent episode, you know, you can find us on Twitter, at Never Podcast. Facebook is just Never Podcast. And Instagram is N-H-O-I-T Podcast. And any of those places, you can reach out and touch someone. And by someone, I mean me and Sean. Mm. Uh, and, uh, if you're, if you're looking for more of these episodes, uh, maybe this one just fell out of the sky and into your lap and you're listening to it and you said, man, I hope somewhere in this episode, they tell us where we can find more. Well, 
You can find more on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and CastBox. And any of those places, if you can leave a review or uh, subscribe, you know, click on a star. Maybe there's a star rating system somewhere. Maybe there's a thumbs up. Any of those things would really help out. And it helps other people find us, which would be super cool. And uh, speaking of super cool, Sean, uh, what super cool things have you watched since the last time we talked? I'm glad you asked, Greg, because not a ton, but last time I didn't talk about the TV that I've been watching. And I think on your recommendation, I started Ted Lasso. Yeah. And I wasn't so sure, Craig, after that first episode. Wasn't so sure. Really? Interesting. Okay. Because... I'll tell you this. I mm-hmm. was like, I love Jason Sudeikis. I mm-hmm. like everything about this show. I understand why they've hired him to come coach this soccer team in England, which is something he's had no experience with whatsoever. Sure. I get it. I buy that. I don't really know why he is doing this. Like, why would he say yes to that job? Is it just money? He could probably make money elsewhere, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But I powered through, and I'm glad I did. I'm not completely caught up, but I'm very much enjoying it. It, it definitely won me over and did not take long to do so. Mm-hmm. I, I like the supporting cast a lot, and right. it's just, um, I don't know. It feels a bit refreshing to see sort of this kind of character who is, uh, you know, an optimist and... Mm-hmm. Uh, a decent dude, it seems like. I don't know, unless yeah. there's some wrinkles that have been unveiled that I don't know about yet. But uh, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's a good world, I think. And it makes me mad in some ways because I spent well over a year working on a story that's not terribly unlike this one. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even, I didn't know that. I did not know that until I started watching. I was like, yep, okay, I think this is kind of how this show would have gone, the trajectory of the storyline in, in a lot of ways. And, and this one might this one might be a little bit better. So I don't know. You know, I'd like to think there's room enough in the world for two stories kind of sure. like that. But maybe, I guess not. You know, the world said no. So uh, I'm enjoying that. And then kind of as a family, we started checking out Lego Masters, which um, it was on Fox that. a while ago. And yeah. it's, you know, I don't know, maybe you've seen it. It's this competition reality show mm-hmm. with uh, Will Arnett hosting where they just have uh, pairs on to do these crazy Lego builds. And that's been a lot of fun. We've enjoyed nice. that. And my daughter's getting into it, which is both good and also a little bit scary because <laughs> the power of reality TV. I mean, it's just like, kid, God, what a formula oh, yeah. it is, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it is, it's, uh, it works every time, Sean. It does. Yes. Yeah. You know exactly when they're going to cut to commercial. You know, as soon as they come back from commercial, they're going to repeat the exact, you know, a minute and a half that they just showed before yes. the commercial. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just is uh, whatever. But I, I like seeing people do creative things like that. So I don't mind that type of reality show as much. Yeah. And uh, what else? I rewatched Training Day for the first time. Oh, cool. Probably since I saw it in the theater, I'm yeah. guessing. So 19 years pretty much now. And I don't know. Like, I remember liking that movie at the time, but not like, oh, my God, like, this this should be Best Picture, you know? Right. Denzel, great. Yeah, of course, like Ethan Hawke for sure. I'm, I'm going to say it holds up to that level for mm-hmm. the most part, I think. You know, there's nothing that felt 
extremely, extremely dated. Although it's really kind of interesting, I guess, sort of like the, the racial politics of of it, perhaps in this era, sure. <clears throat> in this moment. And, um, you know, you got a film made by a black filmmaker about a black cop and he's an awful human being. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. But, you know, Denzel's the, uh, he, he just chews it up. He really chews it up in that movie. And it's he does. just kind of, that's kind of still fun to watch. Um, definitely some stuff that felt a little stereotypical really now with sort of the Hispanic, you know, tough guys. Um, sure. And there's one thing that's just extremely convenient plot wise, but I'm not going to get back into that. And, you know, I mean, it's 19 years old and all we do is spoil movies, but. Those right. of you that have seen it recently, you know which one I'm talking about, probably. Well, and I have to say, because I did watch it maybe a year or two ago, and I really do like, I think they, they do the turns really well in that story. Yeah. Denzel is going nuts. I mean, he's doing a great <laughs> job, but it is just, it is a showcase. It is a Denzel oh, Washington God, yeah. showcase, uh, for sure. Ethan Hawke does a great job. But I, I think it also, you know, it, it, as far as being sort of a plot-heavy crime movie, it, uh, it really enjoys being what it is. <laughs> and, and those turns are, are pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, they are nice. And the thing is, it's like I almost, like it, it's almost, it doesn't even matter like what they are. You just yeah. feel like you know what's going on, right? Yes. And because I like left the movie and was just thinking about it, it's like... Now, do I really understand why Ethan Hawke was chosen for this thing that sure. feels like it was all set up? And there's something about a, some Russians and some gambling. And do I really know what's going on there? I'm not sure I do, <laughs> but I'm not sure it matters, you know? So it's yeah. just one of those things. It's like how much plot can a movie hold when it really just needs to hold a performance or two? Indeed. That's kind of a good question for, for our movie tonight that I yeah, think indeed. we'll get into. Indeed. I wasn't going to skip yeah. right ahead because I wanted to know what you've watched, Craig, but yeah, oh, that's yeah. a good, fair point. Well, I will, I, I will let you in on it, Sean. Speaking of reality shows, sort of out of the corner of my eye, I've been watching, um, and man, I, I honestly don't even know the name of it, but it's, it's basically like the, whatever the Bake Off reality show is, that British Bake Off, Yeah, but it's about pottery. Interesting. So it's it's almost the exact same skeleton, right? And mm-hmm. uh, my wife's been watching it, and I'll be damned. I mean, it is it's an entertaining watch, and I mean, we make fun of some of it because, you know, much like I'm sure the Lego show, every challenge is just about to break every single person's spirit. You know, like yeah, there's not a challenge. It's like oh, okay, well, this isn't really that that big a deal. It's like every single one is just like it really all comes down to this. And, you know, just over and over again. And, and a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of pregnant pauses that are put in in post, I think. But, um, Do they man, show I the mean, uh, kiln firing in real time? Oh, man, let, let me tell you. They just have it in the corner just burning the entire time. Oh, nice. It's but, like those uh, camp, uh, <laughs> fireplace videos you can put on for 24 yeah. hours or whatever. It's very calming. But, um, but it is, it's so interesting how that formula is so reliable. It's just totally reliable. I, I'll still watch it. You know, the great thing about it being a British show, uh, at least I, this is what I ascribe to it, being a British show, is that there isn't somebody put on there who's clearly cast because they're just such an asshole. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like there has to be that person like, I didn't come here to make friends. You know, it's just like, no, it, <laughs> these people are just making pottery and they're just trying to do the best they can. That's so much more interesting to me. Yeah, you know, now that you mentioned that, I wondered about that with Lego Masters because in one of the like first or second episodes, one of the first, one of the first two episodes is what we normally say in English. Um, there's a guy who's like really mean to his partner, and then it just never comes up again, at least so far. <laughs> after oh, no. that, you know, and I wonder if it was like, well, we kind of. Let's let's test the waters on this and see how yeah. it plays. And then they're like, "Oh shit, no, our audience is under ten. We we need to <laughs> they pull back on that. that." Yeah, they ain't <laughs> doing this. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it's been all like rainbows and and tears every week now from everybody uh, on that show. But it's just kind of yeah. interesting. Um, well, that's one of the more uh, uh, um, endearing things about this show is there's a guy who's like. A, a master potter he's he's like one of the judges one of the two people who come out and judge yeah. this stuff and you know every now and again they show him like do something he, he shows everyone here's how you do it and now everyone go do it and like he is clearly very very good and this guy every now and again someone will make a piece that will bring him to tears wow and every time i turn to Kyung and i'm like like why is he crying <laughs> you know i'm not really I don't have a problem with the fact that he's crying. I'm just like, but what about that? Because he'll just be looking at a teapot. You You're know? like, yeah, it just looks like a coffee mug to me. I don't know. Am yeah. I missing something? I mean, hey, I mean, great looking coffee. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a nice looking piece of work. But but he like gets really emotional about it. And it's really sort of like, like I want to know that guy's secret. Anyway, mm. so that show is interesting. That's yeah, on Netflix. Check that out. Uh, it's, it's a good, it's, I, I think it's also probably a good thing. Just like if you need to chill out, you need to like calm down. down. Yeah. That's, that's the thing to probably watch. Okay. Um, uh, nothing else I'm going to say is new. Uh, Ozark. I'm in second season and I'm loving that show. Cool. Uh, pen, pen 15 on Hulu is great. I mean, that yeah, show has gotten that. better and better. It's really kind of amazing to me. Uh, they keep having to put these uh, actresses in, this, in these situations where they have to make out with people. And you're always sort of like, how are they going to do this? Yeah. And the way they do it every time is always super smart. And, and you see the back of the other person's head. You, you got to watch, man. I mean, okay. It's, okay. It's, it's interesting. And, and also more and more amazing to me how much they are they they both deserve emmys emmys for this acting i feel like mm. because it is incredibly convincing it's incredibly convincing uh so great show there lovecraft country i watched the episode strange case which was directed by cheryl dunyer who we hey. talked about a few episodes ago yeah i mean i don't see any uh you know connections between that <laughs> And and watermelon woman necessarily directorially. It wasn't made on a VHS camcorder. It, there was twenty bucks. None, none of that. No no uh, fake histories of anything. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, it is a very strong episode. Probably my favorite episode so far. Wow. Uh, it was. I mean, it it it's neat uh, for a whole lot of different reasons. So, uh, big recommend on that. Uh, sort of an anti recommend today. We sat down to show the kids labyrinth which I thought was going to be a home run. Uh -oh. And uh, we abandoned it after an hour. They were bored. My wife and I were like, this isn't as good as we remember. <laughs> so 
We kind of left. It looks awesome, and those puppets are awesome, and it's David Bowie and Jennifer Connelly, but man, there's some magic missing in there. Have you watched that recently? Well, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I had a student do like a presentation on it recently, and I don't think he had ever seen it and was just kind of curious about it. And like, yeah, he showed a clip from the like Chili Chili Gang song or whatever the heck is called, <laughs> Chili Chili Down. I don't know. I don't remember. Is that when they're like taking their heads off yes. and stuff? And it's just yeah. sheer, it was just like, this is, this, if you said this is awful, I might be like, I get, I get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the scene that broke us. Cause after yeah. that scene, we were like, what did that scene have to do with anything? Nothing. It's just like, a song I don't know that what that, wrote. yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. So, it, and it's, a, it's a shame because everything, everything on the surface of it seems like, man, this is going to be great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it sort of wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it, I could be wrong. I'm not sure it was like a grand slam when it came out even. Um, but yeah, it's like gained obviously it's appreciation over time, but yeah, I, I could be wrong about that. But yeah, it was interesting. I was like, mm, I don't know. I, I'll check it out at some point, but maybe, not with my daughter until she's a bit older. It's still just so weird and creepy looking, I guess. It is very weird and creepy. It's not, it's almost not scary at all. Hmm. Like there's one part of it, even the scarier parts usually turn out to be really clever bits. Yeah. But like they just kind of, you realize, yeah, once you, we were an hour in, you kind of realize like, I don't, I, like the story's not progressing. Like it just seems like we're going from one bit gotcha. to another bit. And yeah. it's just like, I don't know why we're watching any of this stuff. So, mm. um, so yeah, S- sad to say, but, uh, other than that, yeah, we are, uh, uh, that's, that's pretty much the extent of what I've been up to. What about, oh, you already talked to me about <laughs> what you were doing. I do. You want Let's me to just go keep again? going around in circles. Okay. Correct. We uh, were watching a show called Lego Masters. Lego Masters? Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> Let's talk about the movie that we both watched, and that is The Hands of Orlock, which is from 19 and 24. Man, we're, you know, I don't know if we should have waited four years to do this or not, but I'm glad I we know. didn't. But man, that is, uh, is about as close to 100 as you can get without being like, you know, 99. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. A uh, movie from damn near a century ago. And it is a crime, horror, mystery story about a world famous pianist who loses both hands in an accident. And when new hands are grafted on, he doesn't know they once belonged. To a murderer. <gasps> just, uh, what a great concept that is. It's I mean, let's, let's stop for a second and just appreciate that because it seems so cliche now, right? Sure. But like, it's the easiest thing in the world. Like that, you can tell that concept to anybody. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah you can think of like eight different scenes that are going to happen right off the bat. Sure. Yeah. If you're going to make this movie, I mean, what, what do you got to do? Put, put, a little, put a little makeup around their wrists? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know your job's done. Yep, which um, is what they did. Pretty much what they did. No, it's not. We're going to talk a lot more about it. Uh, it was directed by Robert Vine, and mm-hmm. uh, stars Conrad Veidt, who plays, I believe, Major Strasa in Casablanca. Alexandra Serena plays Paul Orlock's wife Yvonne. You got Fritz Strasny as. He was, well, I'm thinking he's 
Orlock Sr., but we'll get to that. I don't want to completely go off the rails here. And uh, a couple other folks, let's say Fritz Kortner is of significance, and I don't really remember who the others are. Oh, okay, Hans Hama as Dr. Cyril, that I remember. Mm -hmm. Some of the other folks, I just don't recognize the character names because they didn't say all the character names, you know. Silent film, silent film. This is, uh, yeah, something that we haven't done a ton of, in fact... I think we've done a one of, which was uh, Buster Keaton's college. Yes. And Craig. So maybe that's a decent place to start, just in the context of the other silent film we've watched and knowing that uh, this is certainly going to be a different movie than most of what we do. What did you make of this very movie that you recommended? And uh, after you tell us your thoughts, I'd also like to know where you'd heard about this because I'm not sure we covered that last week. And even if we did, I've forgotten. Interesting. Uh, well, I can tell you, I, I found it just sheerly because I was looking for it. I was looking for horror movies mm -hmm. uh, as old as I could find that looked interesting. It looked like they would have something interesting about them that would, cool. uh, you know, recommend themselves to us. And mm -hmm. I felt like this one had Conrad Veidt, had the director of Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah. And and the premise is, is interesting. I felt like, man, this will be... This will be a, a pretty good watch. Um, and it, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia at the moment and I'm seeing that the version they have here, they're, they're calling this running time 90 minutes. Not what I saw. Of yeah, the one I watched was very nearly two straight hours. Yeah. And... Did you watch on YouTube, by the way? I did not. I watched on Canopy. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple I, different versions on YouTube. Uh, one with and without score, and damn it, I forgot to look up who did the score. But anyway, I'll see if I can find uh, out while you're talking. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, um, it definitely was not Pierre Oser who is the person uh, uh, credited with it here on. Like that's the original original. Mm -hmm. So we didn't. I definitely did not see the original. Yeah. I saw the 2008 version that was supposedly restored. With music and the music was good music certainly helped tell the story um i think this is very much in contrast to college college especially being a comedy and buster keaton being a comic genius mm -hmm. really keeps things moving in college yeah like you don't you don't sit and look at somebody for very long without something interesting happening uh and this is a very different movie in that respect at least to me I felt like I was looking at people reacting and their reactions were really hanging. <laughs> and and it, it's really, it's a movie that gave me so much time to think about what was happening. Like there yeah. was not, uh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I don't know. It, it, it did not, it certainly didn't frighten me. I didn't feel super dark. Well, I won't say that. Actually, at the beginning, there was a really good creepy shot, I think. Oh, man, yeah. When uh, Conrad's in the hospital and he sees somebody looking in the window above the door. Mm -hmm. And there was something just wrong about that. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's kind of nice. That, that kind of is weird looking. But after that, it becomes very, uh, very emotional for everyone involved. Very uh, melodramatic. And, uh, and, you know, it, it's a movie that didn't really give us a lot of character to chew on. 
just said, here are two people, and now here's the situation they're in. And it was sort of like, I guess so. That was kind of my feeling. Sean, what did you take away from this one? I I think I can relate to pretty much everything you're saying. I, I kind of feel like it is too long at this running time, maybe even for the error. Yeah. Um, but certainly now it, yeah, it feels like a very thin plot for something that's almost two hours. And yeah. so it was kind of like a tale of halves for me. So that first mm -hmm. half I really enjoyed. And the second half, I, I just kind of felt like the length of the movie sort of catching up with the length of my attention span <laughs> as yes. uh, an idiot in 2020. And one nice thing about the pace, I do think, is that it does sort of lend itself to then, as a viewer, look at everything else that's going on on screen, right? Because it's sure. not necessarily, uh, you know, an amount of information or emotion, per se, emotional information being delivered by the performers. So there were times where I'm just like, okay, I kind of get what's, what's going on with the actor right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, look at the architecture and the set design. It's pretty cool. Sure. And look at the composition here and just the use of foreground, background. So I did find myself paying attention to that kind of stuff. And for 1924, I just thought, wow, it's, um, there's some really interesting looking things in this film. And certainly, you know, expressionism and thinking about it in terms of just kind of the things that happen on screen that aren't necessarily performance here. I felt like that is being extended to performance, you know, and maybe mm -hmm. I, I'm just not aware enough of the actual movement to know if that is a standard or not, but boy, it felt like they're overexpressing everything um, yes. just across the board. And, you know, I, I like, Conrad Veidt, I mean, good grief. He, he looks so tortured from the word go in this thing. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know. Like, I felt like that played. Like, I, I bought it. You know, I, it felt like this guy's emotions were were there on screen. And, and it's just I, I felt sympathy for him as a person in this situation. But a little goes a long way, I guess, you know. Mm -hmm. There's one scene in particular just as a good example of this, and it wasn't Conrad Veidt. It was um, his wife, uh, Yvonne, played by Alexandra Serena, as mentioned. And, you know, she's absolutely fine. But after this train accident that happens and injures her husband badly, this famous pianist, and it looks like his hands are in grave danger of being lost. And there's a scene where she basically pleads to the surgeon, the doctor, to save his hands. His hands are everything. And it must it must take like five minutes to get that one idea across. And right. you may have noticed, Craig, I just did that in like five seconds, right? Could you, you please save and his and hands? You know his hands are everything, yeah. right? He's a pianist. He needs his hands. I 100% get it. Yes. And it does not take long. Yeah, here it is extremely drawn out for her to emote this. But then even within that, there's at least two title cards where you get the dialogue of save his hands. You know, he needs yes. his hands at all costs. So it, to me, that's like, I don't know what 
the effect of that is on the audience. Because I was trying to think about that. If I'm in 1924 and I'm just like, I'm not used to taking in information over a screen or, or like, what is the root of that kind of performance and delivery? Yeah, like, yes. is it operatic in a way? Because I feel like, I feel like I must have seen, you know, some plays come across my desk in high school that were written from this era, right? And I don't remember yeah. them reading as if like, you know, there's five minute pauses. So I'm like, is that coming from, is that a theater thing? Right. I don't know. And some of it I think is like the way they sort of like the physicality of their performance, right? Yeah. Um, and that kind of like torture. There's so many like shots of just like their own hands on their face and like almost like these sort of existential dread of it all just weighing them down. And that's how they, it has to come out of them physically. Well, but, and is yeah. it is it just a matter of like is it just a stylistic choice? But that's the thing. Yeah. It's like I don't know. Is that so part of like um, yeah of this expressionism? If that is a style choice for this particular movie, or is it really indicative of the movies in this era? But you're absolutely right. The comedies yeah. don't play that way. Right. Um, I was thinking of Harold Lloyd's Safety Last, and that thing is just like man, it just doesn't quit, and it's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, like yeah, exactly. Like it. It holds up now mm-hmm. pace wise. And maybe that is, yes. maybe it's just a comedy and maybe like, like there, there's something that's so, uh, that detaches you so much when you're watching this movie and like the person on screen is in torment and all you, and I should guess I should say me, all I can think of is let's just move on. Like I I yeah. totally understand what's happening, but like this is, it's too it's not even long it's it's too long yeah and and yeah is is it just like how audiences responded to it back then like that's the consideration you have to have i don't know cuz i mean the filmmakers they knew what they were doing like yeah. it's not like these are like i mean i guess or, like from what yeah. i've seen in movies about other movies at this time you know people just walk in and out of the theater whenever they don't care like what <laughs> Sure. You know, they got their newsy cap on and their overalls. They're coming in if it's middle of the movie they or not. They're definitely so, dressed that way. You know, so maybe it's like, you know, you got to draw these scenes out just to catch people up whenever they're walking in the theater. I don't know. Yeah. That's probably not true. Maybe so. Yeah. And and the more the more <laughs> torment that actor looks like they're in, like, then you're like, oh, well, some stuff's going on. Like, yeah. You wouldn't want somebody just sitting there who looks like they're feeling normal because that's not going to grab you. Right. Maybe. It's when you get up and you're like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to come back during the middle yeah. of the, the movie that plays before this next one. And then I'll catch up. <laughs> um, terrible audiences back then. Jesus. They, they were the worst. <laughs> no, but I'll say this. Like, maybe the effect of it, I also, I felt more, I think, with this movie. Because, man, I, I was so excited by the beginning of this thing. I, I really mm-hmm. just felt like, holy cow. Um you know, it sort of starts with you're seeing this letter on screen. And I, I did kind of like, I don't know if your version did this, but it would, anytime there was text on screen, uh, this version was in French. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So it would show the French, like the letter, the ink on the letter was in French. And then it would just dissolve to English. And then it yes. would dissolve to German. And, oh, uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It took me See, a while I, to pick up on that, but that's what it was doing. Yeah. Well, again, it was taking it was taking so long, and I was probably getting distracted. I I kept thinking, yeah, it was it was 
it was I, I kept thinking it was in German. It was dissolving to English and, and then back, back to German. Yeah, there were times and like where every would, time I was like, why are you dissolving back to German? Just cut away from the letter. But see, I wasn't taking my time. Well, and there were times where I'm like, okay, I know I, I took French for way too long and I cannot speak a lick of it, but there's, I recognize that word as French. It's not to say there's any overlap. I mean, no, German, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Totally makes sense. So it starts with that and it's sort of just like a letter between husband and wife and they're looking forward to reuniting and it's it's very kind of like sensual even. It's like there's something about like one more day and I will fill your body beneath my hands, which of course is yeah. foreshadowing obviously. A everything. lot of hand, yeah, yeah, a lot of hand mentions, there more hand mentions than you might normally mentions. write to your wife. Yeah, But then it's, you know... Everything's at night. Like you're arriving at this train station and Yvonne is there and she's like, you know, waiting for her husband. And suddenly, um, I don't remember how it plays out. I know there were like guys who were working for the train station. They were like looking at something and arguing over documents and somebody comes in and like alerts them that there's been this accident. And everyone just starts fleeing this train station. And then like, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a couple shots where they're following a car at night. And I'm just like, how did they get the exposure right for that? Because you can yeah. see it. And they're definitely, whatever the camera is on is, is a moving vehicle of some kind. Because the whole right. thing, the whole shot is moving. And I'm like, what, how are you getting lights, like extra light on this car on the back of the, it didn't look like they were just flooding headlights on the back of the vehicle. Um, that's on camera. I don't know. That's true. I'm still stumped. That's true. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, that and the whole train oh, wreck train, sequence. Yeah. Now, I got to say, I'm, I'm honestly not a big fan of the first half of the movie. Okay. Uh, and partially because of, at the very beginning, I don't know the woman. I don't know the guy. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know anything about them. I don't sure. know, like, besides the normal reasons it would be bad to be in a train wreck and have the murderer's hands put on you. There's no other reason that I have to think like this is especially bad for this guy. Um, I mean, yeah, he's a pianist, but I mean, come on. But uh, so I didn't I didn't like that, but I was like, OK, that's fine. And the train sequence, clearly they 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 did a, an amazing set with the train, I'm yeah. assuming, because, I mean, you have train cars everywhere and everything's on fire. But then what started to bother me about this scene was how it was cut, no. because you come in and you got people running everywhere and it's really convincing. It's really impressive. And then uh, Yvonne shows up and she's got some dude with her and they go looking for uh, Orlock. And then you cut to guys running around and then they find, then there's a point where they're like, he's in here, he's in here. And then they cut to more guys running around for a while. And I'm like, why did we cut away from that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> all I want to know is that you got him. And, and it, it, you know, again, it just takes a long time. It felt it like does. they were really getting their money's worth out of this spectacle, and I get it. But but that's the kind of thing. Like, that was kind of bothering me. Mm -hmm. It just felt felt sort of unfocused, and I still didn't even know who these people were. Um, yeah. So, there, yeah. There's definitely stuff of, like, clarity that I, for sure, was, like, behind the eight ball on. Um, but I just like from a pure production value, I was like, man, almighty, like the steam of the train and just shooting at night and all this stuff. Also, oh, I was I just mean, like, it's 1924. You're convincing people that like to stop a train and do all this for like, you know, how many yeah. movies have they even seen at this point? Like, well, uh, yeah, amazing. part of me felt like 
was there an actual train wreck and they just went out and shot I don't it? Know. Like I, I hope not because it, it was impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. I feel like if that did not come up in my research for the tee up, I'm going to be super duper pissed because mm-hmm. that, uh, that's like such a thing to bury there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I was digging all of that. I was like, just again, mostly from a technical aspect than anything else. But um, we quickly find out, yes, there's a guy being executed. His name is Vassur. Vassur. Mm. And uh, let's see. I guess we, well, I was going to spoil the ending and try to tell you who plays him, but that's <laughs> a, that gets a little tricky too. So yeah, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, um, you know, Paul is taken into surgery and... Um, I don't even remember how the Vasseur thing came up because like you, you know, I mean, and again, like if you read that log line, you know where this is going because I definitely in my notes, I have it that there's a guy being executed. And then I have my note about it takes him five minutes for Yvonne to say, save Orlock's hands. Right. (laughs) So, you know, those two things have already been laid out there. So you, you know exactly where this is going. Um, but Orlac and uh, Yvonne are reunited. He's able to take the bandage off of his face and his head. And I think that's around the time that shot you were talking about that was pretty creepy. And mm-hmm. Orlac's hands are just – the way they're bandaged is, like, nuts, too. It just looked unnatural. Um, yeah. You know, it goes probably halfway up the forearm, the bandage does, in both of them. Mm-hmm. So he's just sitting there in his hospital bed and, like – um, looking at Yvonne and we see this perfectly square small window in the background. It's very dark background too, by the way, but like the window is lit and this just creepy dude is just staring in there and kind of laughing if memory serves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and at least in my, my perspective of it, it seemed unnatural that he, because he's looking like basically through uh, what do you call it, the transom or whatever. Like, yeah, he's he's like looking through above the door. Yeah, that's perspective which is, he's is crazy. Just unnaturally tall, or or he's on a ladder or something. But it just the way it's shot, it's like you, all you can see is his head. Like you don't see the rest of the room even. You just see his head in this window, looking at him. And and that and the actor, his face is very sort of yeah scrunched up and kind of looking at him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a nice little effect and he was definitely freaked out about it. So yeah, the actors definitely do a 1924's version of Nicholson and the Shining for sure. Um, it's, uh, it, it comes back into play though, a little bit, sort of that perspective when, uh, Paul has a nightmare at one point and he sees that man's face again in that window and then it's definitely played as if the man is reaching down at him in his bed, but his hand mm-hmm. is like giant, you know, and his, the, the, the thing is all skewed, like the ratio of it. And yeah. um, I thought all that stuff was, was pretty cool. In fact, I, I kind of cool. wish there's like one other moment where it gets a little surreal, um, but not much after that, if memory serves. And I kind of wish there were there was more of that. Like I wish, I don't know, like yeah. the, just the dream nightmare nature of it all could have been a little cooler if it had gone that route but agreed nonetheless um so paul kind of uh understands what has happened because and here's a question for you craig he finds a note in his bed after that nightmare saying that his hands could not be saved and that the doctor has given him the hands 
of the robber and murderer Vasseur. Yeah. Who put that note on his bed, Craig? Well, I mean, are we allowed to spoil a hundred-year-old movie? <sighs> it's tough. Yeah, go ahead and spoil it because I seriously don't know. I don't remember. Maybe I missed it. <laughs> well, I I don't honestly know either, but, but I, theory, I assume yeah. it is the actual culprit of everything that's been going on because he he was given the okay. hands of Vasur, hundred yeah. percent. And that makes sense. And I I think that the uh, I'm not going to spoil it yet. Maybe we'll we'll wait till we get to the end. Okay. But I think the person responsible is the one who left that. The person who's responsible for the later crimes. Right, that makes sense. Is the one who left that note just to make sure he knew. Yep. Because, you know, he figured that's going to have an effect on him. Yes, it's important to his plot for sure. It is. Um, good observation. Good observation. Thank you. So. Um, yeah, a lot of what happens next is Paul discovering that what this means is not only can he not play the piano um, the way he used to, so he's tortured by that, but, you know, the hands, it's, it's not like they have a life of their own. This isn't, um, what am I thinking, of Army, Army of Darkness or something. Yeah. Um, but he, he's clearly afflicted by having them there, whether it's all sort of like emotional or psychological or any sort of like physical thing. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but he says that those hands will never touch another human being, which right. um, that's problematic when you're married, for sure. 100%. And, 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 and I really like that touch. This, yeah, this I do too. This is really a, a place where I, I, I really wish I just knew more. Like, I wish I knew that he was a super sensitive soul or something like that, yeah. where I would just be like, oh, man, this is the worst thing. Like, because you're just thinking about, like, what have these hands done? You know, like, mm -hmm. my hands are supposed to be for making people happy and, you know. But, yeah, that's great. Like, he's he's not going to touch another person with them, and he's clearly wigged out. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a moment where his wife kind of reaches out to him and, um, like, I think he does, like, try to hold her face at one point, but then it just is, like, it's too much. Like, he can't do it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of interesting. And then I definitely got confused a little bit with the entrance of the maid, who I'm guessing is Regine or Regine. Yeah, perhaps. I think so. Carmen Cartelieri. Um, and if that's the wrong character and cast name, I, I apologize to these people who are clearly dead. And yeah, they're not <laughs> Very, very dead. So I thought for a second that she was Yvonne. Like I got them confused at least once. So yeah, I'm seeing this woman write too. a letter and she's saying, writing, don't come near me. I will, I never want to obey you again. I'm like, Ooh. What's going on? Is there is the wife in cahoots with something? Sean, you just cleared something up for me. Okay. I was super confused about the same thing. <laughs> okay. Because I thought his wife was writing that, and I was like, to who? You're not going to obey Orlock anymore? I don't understand. Yeah, what? I was like, it doesn't seem like he's a very, like, commandeering person. <laughs> yeah, he did um, not yeah. seem yeah. overbearing. Yeah. So, so she was writing that to the culprit. Yes. Okay. And, and that was our introduction that there was something going on, right? She was not right, but already being, yeah. It's even more confusing because, like, I'm like, 
Now, hang on a second. Okay, I figured out, I was like, oh, that's the maid. She's writing to this guy who, I for the I was like, is this supposed to be Vasseur? Like, has he not been executed yet and is somehow free? Oh, yeah, no, I had no, I, I thought it was a note to Orlock. I didn't even think about it beyond that. I was just like, I don't get that. Yeah. This man, just for the sake of clarity, we will come to know him as uh, Nera or Nera, yes. N-E-R-A. Yes, Nera. So um, there's a, a scene with the, with the maid and Nera, and he tells her to seduce Orlock's, Orlock's hands. And uh, oof, like it, it's an interesting scene. Like, you know, Conrad Veidt, like uh, the way he plays this a lot is, and again, you know, you got no dialogue. Like it's it's it is hard to sort of do that. Like I do admire just the sheer ability to like portray any of this. To be completely honest, with no dialogue yeah. whatsoever. But a lot of it is like just that sort of sit. He's staring into space somewhere clearly in a direction clearly away from the camera, and he's doing this. And the the maid just kind of like comes up to him and puts her face against his hand. And it was just a really interesting, weird kind of scene there, I, I thought. And um, I don't even remember how it ends exactly. I mean, he, he certainly realizes who she is after a minute and responds to that. But around the same time, I guess, like we're supposed to believe that because of the amount of chronological time that has passed, you know, Things are not looking so hot for Paul and Yvonne because Paul can't play the piano. That's how he made a living. So we're introduced then to this other storyline that involves Paul's father, which is uh, the Fritz Strassny actor playing um, Orlock Sr., if you will. I don't know. I don't remember his first name. Maybe it was Paul. I don't either. Yeah, I know. But she goes to him to ask him for money and, uh, and help, and he says no. And in fact, like he wants his son to be destitute because he hates him. Like that's literally in the dialogue. Yeah. But Craig, there's like another dude there who's like this older, creepier guy. Mm-hmm. Who I'm guessing is this Der Diner or Diner guy. Um played by Paul Ascanus. I still I, I don't know if I just missed who this guy is in the story. Or what the relationship is? Is he like a caretaker or something? I don't, I don't know. Do you have a take I, on it? I assumed he was the caretaker. Again, this this was another place in the movie. And now, uh, considering that I completely missed the whole maid thing, maybe <laughs> maybe I just didn't pay attention to the movie at all. No. But um, but like the father thing comes up. Correct me if I'm wrong about this. The father thing comes up. I mean, it's we're a good halfway into the movie at least. Oh, easily, yes. Before it's like... Go to your father, even though he's evil, he's very rich. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I had no idea that this even existed. So, but then they go to his house. Yes. And I assume this is his caretaker. This is his right hand man. And the guy looks 90 years older than his dad is. Yeah. But evil. And I'm like, well, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But evil. There's a lot of scowling happening. Yes. A lot of scowling. And, and I, yeah, at first I assumed that guy was his dad cause he was just, yeah, he was characterized as being so evil. And I was like, well, that's good casting. He looks evil. But then, but then, but then this is interesting too. I thought the, the, the character then leads, uh, Yvonne right into, into these great sets. I thought the sets were awesome. Yeah, I love those sets. Uh, and, and, and leads her down this great hallway and then into this huge room that's empty, I think, except 
for Mr. Orlock sitting in an enormous chair. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, man, like if you lived in a house with nobody else but this scowling caretaker, like, like he's, it, it's just funny to me. He's, he's sitting in this enormous chair that's sort of up on a platform and there's nothing around him. There's not no. an end table. There's nothing. You're not reading papers. You're just <laughs> sitting in a chair this in the dark. sitting hall. Yeah, this is my, this is where I sit. And, uh, and yeah, so the, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the caretaker goes and, and stands to his right, right hand man stands to his right and kind of like, kind of like behind the chair, Yeah, which was interesting because that's also sort of a, a posture that the maid was taking with Yvonne at some point, sort of like standing at the right, like behind mm. a tall back chair and like talking to her about things that she should do. Um, but but I didn't get the sense that this guy was a puppet master or I really kind of didn't understand his function at all, to be honest. I'm not sure. I, I think I kind of like read it as a puppet master, but that's not verified by the story, I don't think. It's just right. he has that sort of Scooby-Doo vibe to him that it feels like that's his yes. role, you know? Um, yes. I, I don't know. But um, also a little confused about, you know, the next sort of big plot point is that... Paul's father ends up dead and he is stabbed to death with a knife that has an X on the handle. And we've learned yes. from I don't know, news, somebody reading the newspaper or the doctor or a detective, somebody earlier in the story, that this is one of the trademarks of this Vassure killer. So well, yes. that's interesting because he's supposed to be dead, Greg. Dead, dead, Sean. The dead live apparently and let me ask you this question though so so orlock goes to his dad uh yeah because they're they're just they're just destitute we've got a scene with creditors who are all like shaking their head in unison whenever they're asking like can we just put off paying the things we need to pay and the creditors are like nope. no so orlock uh orlock goes to his dad finds a dead body in this room again i would say I love these sets. Great sets mm -hmm. all around. But I'm just wondering if you're anything like me, at first, seeing the body on the ground, I identified that as the caretaker. He looked more like the caretaker than Orlock to me. Mm -hmm. He looked like he had big bushy eyebrows. Yeah. And, and, and I, was, I was a little lost for a second. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's his dad. Uh, I mean, it certainly makes more sense if it's his dad. Yeah. In terms of the plot, but... Uh, it's I was a little easy to confuse there. the two, I think, certainly in that position. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was honestly more confused about, so like, yeah, Paul's response to seeing that, it just takes a while. And then the next thing you know, it it felt like he just opened a door in his father's house and then was in his own house with the piano. And he hides the knife in the piano. That doesn't make any sense. I'm sure the piano was in his own home. That's where I understood it to be, unless I'm completely crazy. Um, but it was just maybe the way it was shot or edited or something um, just made like some weird spatial oh. confusion for me. Now, for some reason, I I put him hiding the knife in the piano before his dad was ever killed. Huh. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yep, I, you're right. Right. Where the hell yeah. was he? Okay, he was somewhere else before that. 
that made me confused. But I mean, that, that could still be the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, mean like... I, you know, I have written down to like, after he finds the body, um, he does, he, he meets with, uh, the guy that I was like confusing as like, is this, was this Vasir character? Like what the hell's going on? Right. And, uh, no, it's, it's, it's near a guy and he demands a million francs from Paul because Paul is now the heir of, uh, Paul senior. And, uh, I guess the, clearly there's some money there. So. Uh, right. He wants the money, he says, because he gave up his hands, and he's got these weird. I mean, they're not. Yeah, you know, I shouldn't say weird because at the time, if you you know, maybe that is. I don't know if it is medically, in any way, shape, or form, accurate to what they had at the the time for prosthet right. prosthesis. But it looks like, um, you know, like <clears throat> Iron Man's worst possible costume. You know. Yeah, but scary. Yeah, definitely 1924 yeah. Iron Man. Like um, again, like it covers the hands. These like black metal steel things that you put on your arms and they go halfway up your forearm at least. And he's got you know two of them, so it, it's just a very imposing look. And that, I kind of enjoyed that scene. Like it felt like it was moving plot, and then you've got this confrontation between protagonist and antagonist. And it's just it was so interesting to me to think about too. Is like that scene doesn't. It doesn't result in any sort of physical conflict, right? And it's just like yeah. every movie yeah. made in the last like seventy years, for sure. You know, yeah. You know, if you got a bad guy and a good guy in the room together like that, it's going to end up in some sort of like this late in the movie. You know, um, sure. Yeah, there's a fight going down for sure. Uh, well, and I mean, our our man essentially faints. I think. Yeah, I think he does. Which, yeah is consistent i think with this character up until that point but but yeah i mean i mean yeah uh uh near like shows off this scar on his neck where he's like where he had like a head transplant yes he says that the doctor did the same surgery to his head as he did to uh to uh, uh paul's arms and that's how he's still alive yeah. right so weird I, that i mean it, that must have freaked people the hell out back in nineteen twenty four. Oh yeah, I mean that that was some of the some of the stuff I had been hoping for much earlier in the movie. Yeah. Like I kind of wish that had come before even halfway. Just like because you know, given given the feel of this movie and some of the more uh, surreal bits, I was like, maybe that's the world we're in. Yeah, maybe this dude had a head transplant. Like <laughs> I'm interested to see where this is going to go now. Uh. So yeah, so Agreed. so he he like passes out and then comes to, and then what does he do? He goes and and tells Yvonne. He tells I guess, Yvonne, about it, right? and then they go to the police. Yeah, and I was a little yeah. confused too because I thought like, and again like this is one of the things like you're used to having dialogue filling all these blanks, right? Yeah, I thought he was telling the police exactly what had happened, like all of it. Um, and the police say okay. We understand. Um, they like do this thing where basically it's like um, take the money to this guy, give it to him, and they'll take care of the rest, right? Right. And it's not exactly how it happens, but they do try this, right? And the police appear in the shadows with their guns. And what we find out is, yes, this guy who is pretending to be 
the resurrected Vasseur who had a head transplant is actually this guy, Nera. And, of course, those scars on his neck are fake. And mm-hmm. those prosthesis are fake. He's got his <laughs> hands. He's got his arms. He was an assistant of the doctor that did the surgery and is quoted as being uh, a talented common crook, I think. Yeah. So I thought, okay, game over. Good job there, right? <laughs> but no, we get this very long reaction, and it's, it's kind of funny, too, where Nero is like, oh, but I couldn't have done that. I don't have Vasseur's hands, his fingerprints, but I know who does. And then he's like, that guy. And this is this like huge performance thing where he points across the room to Paul. Yeah. And like the cops are like, well, I guess we've got to go place Paul under arrest. You know, I'm like, wait a second. Surely he told them that, by the way, my hands were transplanted and I got this like murderer guy's hands, you know. Right. Um, well, I mean, even even beyond that, I, I I totally agree with you. Even beyond that, though, I feel like certainly now, a very different time from 100 years ago, but certainly in a movie today, the cops would already have been familiar with the story of how this pianist was in a accident yeah. and had the hands of a kid. Like, that would be just common knowledge. Like, there's Think, no way yeah. that would escape them. Um, but no, so that's not what happened. Um, yeah. And then, luckily... The maid shows up, and she says that Nira is the murderer. He's been plotting all of this and making her do this. That's why she was writing the letter that I will not obey you, etc. And right. what this guy has done is he was, I think, acquaintances with Fessure and actually killed uh, this moneylender, uh, which I'm assuming is just another word for banker, right? Um, yeah. That is the reason Vasseur went to jail and was executed. He used wax cast uh, of Vasseur's fingerprints and rubber gloves. And I think that's the thing that, you know, we read for the tee-up where, you know, there was concern. This movie, I think, was pulled uh, from theaters in Germany for a bit because they were worried that, like, crooks would figure out this ingenious way to, um, you know, to pull one over on cops. But... Right. No, you, you can't. That doesn't work. You can't just <laughs> take some wax and uh, and transfer a fingerprint. It's not that easy. Um. So yeah, Nira is the original bad guy, and the real victim here is indeed Vasseur, who died innocent man and had his yeah. damn hands cut off after he died. <laughs> yeah. So wow. that's yeah. It, wow. It's kind of crazy. It's definitely got you know. A little bit of that sort of just mystery thing where there's a lot of explaining to do uh, of the initial murder in the beginning. Um, So, I don't know. I I kind of enjoyed that. I liked finally understanding what the crap was going on, I think, overall. And, you know, I, I, you know, modern sensibility would like Paul to be a little more active in (laughs) uncovering any of that than he is in this he is very much well yeah for someone you spend so much time with Mm -hmm. he has nothing to do with solving well almost nothing to do with solving the problem i mean he finally does something but 
but every decision is is just about made for yeah, him. Yeah, it's related to him at the very least. Um, yeah. So yeah, he is a tortured pianist who's just uh, continuing to be tortured and put upon by circumstance, and then the circumstance resolves itself thanks to a maid. So it's yeah. it's a different take for sure than kind of what we're used to probably, and uh, would make for an interesting remake uh, now-ish. Yeah, you would have yeah. a lot of story to fill in, I think, you know. For sure. Have, I mean, it could be it could be a nice little twisty type of deal. It could. You would you'd you'd have to invent some stuff for the middle of the movie though, because there's just not much there. Um, well, I'll pitch you something right now, actually. Yeah. Just just for just for I I think what would be important now is that whoever has Vessier's hands and is going crazy, yeah. at some point does actually kill someone. Oh. And is like, oh, you know, the hands made me do it and all that stuff. And then at the end, when you realize the person was innocent, then it's like, oh, no, I killed the person. Something like that. That would be a nice dark sort of yeah. texture. Did you kind of think that that's what we were going to... I, I, I kind of thought that was probably going to happen. Like this guy was I did. getting the transplant and he would kill somebody. But it's not me, it's the hands, you know. Right. It felt like a Hitchcock type of thing. Just because yeah. he was going... It was driving him so nuts. You... You knew he was gonna just gonna, I, and I thought he would kill his dad. I thought that's what was gonna yeah. happen. He'd kill his dad, and then, uh, and, and and you know he'd blame it on his hands, and then he'd find out that he was, yeah, it's all him. Yeah, which would have been kind of interesting in a sense that, um, I mean, we know that the father despises the son for some reason. I don't think they ever said why. Nope. But it's almost one of those like, you. Oh, he's evil. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. want him to kill his dad, but it would have felt like. Okay, like there's some justice in in that, perhaps. Right. Um, no, not happening. Not so in much this film. Yeah. Oh, but Craig, anything that we didn't mention that you specifically like or didn't like or stood out to you? Um. Anything else I didn't? Like? Are you gonna do Hands of Orlock the musical? Uh, yeah, I wrote a, a little song. I thought the the movie could really be helped by this. Uh, no, I mean, no, I think. Uh, well, can I ask you I think a question? We really covered it. Yeah. I'll ask you a different question. I, I did find myself watching this and thinking about editing perhaps more than I would in a movie with dialogue, and just mm -hmm. like the sheer sort of nature of how much storytelling it has to do, and even thinking about like seeing the trains coming in in the opening and like you as you were saying like trying to make sense of what exactly is going on in this crash mm -hmm. and um yeah i'm kind of curious like did that did you have a similar thought i mean obviously you said that you know there were some things going on where they were cutting away that you wish they hadn't but through the rest of the story were you picking up on any little editing uh tingles i mean the only thing that was really tingling for me was in general, wanting to cut takes a little shorter. Sure. Uh, you know, m much like, yeah, like the like the five minutes to get to the save his hands, doctor save his hands, I would just want to cut that down. And, and, you know, the thing that I don't know if I've given it enough fair thought is, you know, my problem with the beginning where you don't learn anything about these people before everything starts happening. You know, I mean maybe that was a part of the same choice that led to 
just these long takes. You're just sitting with these people who are just emoting and emoting mm-hmm. and emoting, and you're not necessarily getting new information from them. You just, you know what they're going through. Uh, so I don't know, man. I, like, I don't know. Like, if you cut it down, would it really just be made worse? You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would love to, cer- certainly I would want to recut whatever was happening with the maid writing the letter and all that to try and make that a little clearer. Maybe that's a problem with only casting white people. Just <laughs> throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah, there's not a lot to differentiate people uh, sometimes. And, and you know, and, and I mean, I, I, I mistake, uh, mistook the uh, caretaker for Orlock's dad. Yeah too so it's it's like that kind of stuff Ooh, man that's rough when you're when you're here for your for your two hour yeah silent film i, I don't and, know and you can't keep that stuff straight i'm not sure how you would even correct some of those things in a i don't really yeah. either i mean well i guess only that i wish those takes may have been longer maybe and maybe, maybe. i could have like looked at somebody and been like oh wait a second that's not yvonne i don't know it would be an interesting thing to cut this down though even like um yeah, I think you could have a really impressive short film, honestly. Um, I think you could too, and and I mean, but looking at 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 Wikipedia, I mean, they're sitting here saying that the original version was ninety two minutes long. So one of these restored versions just found a lot of material I mean, ton, and just put yeah. it back in or something. So I I mean, I wonder at ninety minutes, maybe it is, uh, you know, not quite the the chore that this feels like it is sometimes. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, the, this version that I watched is floating around on YouTube. There's a couple different versions. They they had one that was completely silent, and then the one I watched was um, the YouTube channel is called the Lumiere Factory, and it doesn't appear to have a date on it. But I'm guessing or the last thing I want to mention was um, the music. That the music I heard was from 2008, and the composer Paul Mercer and. Mm-hmm. It's definitely modern music, like it, the one I saw at least. It, it feels like a pretty modern score in a lot of places. And yeah, I, I thought it added a lot to it, honestly. It gets a little, you know, I don't, it, it can't overcome, I think, the length of the film and just exactly what we've been complaining about. Sure. But I think it, it helped a lot in a lot of places. And that's a big piece of music. I mean, that is a chunk of music, you know. It is. So, it is, um, and it, tip, it does. It, it does there. everything it can to help. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's even repeating some themes and stuff. It's still like that's a, it's a long, long bit of music. So, kudos, Paul Mercer. If indeed that was you. If not, you're getting kudos anyway, sir. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, take them. Take it. Um, I don't know. I, I do feel like watching that made me want to see Caligari again. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe Nosferatu again. And just, um, I don't know, like I would love to find a silent film that's not a comedy. And I'm just like, man, that blew me away. I don't know. I can't sure. think of one that I've seen that I, I, I feel like I have that reaction to just off the top of my head. Yeah, well, uh, you, you know what movie, super dramatic movie that really impressed me was uh, uh, Passion of Joan of Arc. Okay. 1928 yeah, you mentioned that i gotta see it like that that was one that whatever was going on there worked on me what i remember mainly is man they cast the best faces in the world uh and and 
that was one that I really actually kind of, uh, pr probably the most engaged of any dramatic silent film I've ever seen. I would say that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's worth checking yeah. out. And uh, yeah, speaking of faces, it's a pretty interesting use of eyeshadow here in this movie. And Oh yeah, it's very goth. Extremely. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely. And that's, I mean, I just kept thinking about <laughs> all these scenes that were so long. I was like, man, somebody could have so much fun with just like taking this footage and cutting it to some sort of uh, oh, yeah. you know, Nine Inch Nails song or something like that. Um, sure. That's a bad goth example, but there's better <laughs> ones. You know what I'm talking about. Um, right. So all you editors out there, do that. Go grab some footage. It's public domain in a lot of places. And uh, sure. yeah, you could do, you could have some fun with this movie, I think, um, in the editing room. I mean, that's a great project. You want a good project. Take a silent film that's in the public domain and you got to make a new movie out yeah. of it. You change the entire story, use the images, boom. There you go. Hmm. Yes. Award-winning uh, pr project assignment. All right. Well, I'm going to slide out of here and go get started on that. But Craig, mm -hmm. I want to say, I think if the calendar's right, this may be dropping on the Wednesday before Halloween is on a Saturday. So everybody have a nice Halloween. Be safe and all that jazz. And, yes. Uh, especially this year, of course, even if you got your Happy mask Halloween. on and whatnot. Um, feels like we all need to be a little more careful. And, uh, yeah, I hope you have a happy Halloween, Greg. Oh, uh, thank you. I hope you have a happy Halloween, too, Sean. Lock those car doors, folks, and we'll talk next week. Oh, yeah. uh, any last words, Greg? Uh, only that uh, I honestly sort of didn't realize that hand transplants were a real thing. Yeah. And they're really a real thing. Were they real in 1924? Uh, I didn't do the full background on it. They were not real. There's like, no way. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like you should, you should kind of look it up. It's, it's very intricate. Mm -hmm. It's kind of insane. It looks like a technology they could have, could have been doing. It doesn't look like they're doing anything that crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I should. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> just in case anybody didn't know. I'm not a doctor. I didn't know hand trans, transplants were kind of real and they really are, which is kind of amazing to me. Well, I got to hand it to you, Craig. You really sewed this up. So I appreciate it. Oh, everybody. Have a good week. We'll talk next time. Bye-bye.